Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 816, you're tuned in to WGNS. And this morning in studio, we have guests who are with the Doors of Hope program right here in Murfreesboro. And this is a local nonprofit that helps women who were incarcerated get help. It, I guess, lets them learn how to live again, live life again. And uh, one of those who are with us this morning, Executive Director Jackie Miller. So I guess tell us a little bit, first of all, what the program entails and how it works. Okay. We do have a few different programs at Doors of Hope. Um, First of all, we have our pre-release program. So we're actually going into the facilities here in um, Rutherford County and working with women six six months prior to their release. And um, we have different classes that we offer there. Um, We're bringing counselors in and working on different areas if they have any kind of... um, addiction that we work with them on their um, addiction we have um, counseling groups we teach MRT cognitive restructuring classes so when they are released our hope is that they come into our housing program and so we work with them for nine to twelve months once they are released and um, during that time we're just kind of helping them get back on their feet if they've um, suffered any kind of trauma we work with them on their trauma symptoms we make sure you know that they get all the the social things that they need here in town like the food stamp cards we connect them with other nonprofits to make sure that they have clothes we work very closely with the st louis clinic to make sure that their medical is up to date and um amelia's closet to make sure they have clothes to interview we help prep them uh, with their resumes and um, getting a job and getting back on their feet we work with them with dcs cases to help them get their children back and just get them stable so by the time that they're ready to leave us you know in nine to twelve months that they they're um a productive member of society again and also with us this morning Shanika Scott a social worker who works with a lot of the women there Uh, how I guess what do you do on a daily basis what don't we do (laughs) Um, my job is really more um, to see where the client is and see what resources they still need so um, I'm meeting with them and determining what do they need to be successful. So setting up those appointments, making sure they get there. Um, also holding them accountable for everything that they signed up for um, so that they can be successful. Um, another hat I wear is discipline. <laughs> um, so just making sure that they are not falling into old behaviors that they agreed to kind of give up when they came into our program but also figuring out what else do they need if they are so do they need anger management do they need um, other resources to help them be successful in our program and and, you know a lot of those who are incarcerated i'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that a lot of their problems didn't start overnight they didn't start over the last year they didn't start right before whatever crime it was happened they had issues you know long before all of that that could date back really to childhood correct so one of our biggest thing is getting them counseling with us um to get to the base of their trauma no one grew up and said i want to be homeless i want to be a drug addict um i want to be in jail so us is uh, we're working together to see what where did your problems really start 
how can we work on that trauma so that you don't have to go back to that lifestyle? Um, because a lot of them are like, I don't really know how I got here. Because mm-hmm. um, and, that, and that's our mission. Our mission is to break the cycle of addiction, homelessness, and incarceration. And for those who are, I guess, trauma victims, if they had a trauma that occurred when they were, let's say, 10, 11 years old, maybe they were you know, beaten by a parent, somebody they trusted, that trauma reshapes the way that brain develops and it changes the rest of your life. And I don't know that those who have never experienced trauma really realize the impact that something traumatic can really have on somebody later in life, but it really can have a very negative impact later in life if if they don't get help. Definitely. Um, And there's such a stigma of not getting counseling and we can handle what happens in our house, in our house. Um, So it takes a lot for someone to come to our program um, and reach out for that help and say, hey, I want to do something different. What are some of the stories that you hear, you know, of those who just get out of jail and they go into your program? What are some of the things that you hear? Um, not having family support so they'll have family at their home or wherever they lived previously that are currently using so we'll say that we'll kind of say not safe so we say anyone that's not safe they really can't have a connection with um, a lot, a lot of, of them started with um, their their families they started using because their parents were using at home and that's what they know I mean we've had girls as young as eight years old that that used with their their parents at home and, and that's what they know. And really that's kind of where their mental age mm-hmm. sometimes gets stuck is whenever they started using um, drugs. It's, it, it, you know, they don't really grow up from there or, or move on. Yeah, I, I've read that those who are victims of some type of trauma, serious trauma, I guess when it happens, it almost freezes the brain mm-hmm. where it is and does not allow the frontal lobe to fully develop. And so years later, your capacity of making decisions is based on that of an eight, nine, ten-year-old whenever the trauma actually occurred. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot to kind of, I guess, learn when you haven't been able to learn it in the past. Right. Definitely. So we'll have women that are in their 40s um, that still kind of have that child to teenage mentality because they are stuck at the age of first use, and it's hard for them to make a decision because they never had to make one. So they use in order to, I guess, cope with or feel what they think is normal or should be normal without ever realizing it's probably tied to that first traumatic event mm-hmm. definitely we are actually working on it we have a grant right now the voca grant which is the victims of crime act and um, that's what's allowed us to go back into the correctional facilities but when when we <clears throat> when we assess the girls that are in the facilities to see if they have had some kind of um, either child abuse, domestic abuse, if they were a victim of sexual assault, 99% of the women that are incarcerated have been some kind of victim of assault. You know, I, I was able to tour the, um, the the prison in Nashville with a local state representative, and it was the, the women's prison. We toured the men's prison as well, but at the women's prison, you know, it was it was heartbreaking because... I heard the representative, he spoke to a lot of the female inmates there and asked them, you know, what placed you here? What got you here to begin with? And, you know, it seemed like the majority, it was something to do with with drugs or Mm -hmm. alcohol. But yet, when he talked further with them, it was clear that, you know, this was a pattern that started because of something in in their childhood. I mean, almost all of them had something huge in their childhood that occurred to them. And then they talked about how 
They turned to drugs. They turned to alcohol in order to live because they didn't know how to live after whatever happened happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like they're well, they're self-medicating mm-hmm. all these years, and then it turns into addiction, and then I guess crime comes out of that addiction in order to make ends meet, to buy more drugs, to do whatever it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And 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 fortunately, we have a wonderful counselor on staff, Dr. Ellen Blaylock, and. Um, She's very up to date on on the latest um, techniques to use, and she uses uh, a technique called EMDR, which is making big headway lately. But um, that seems to be really making an impact on them and helping them deal with their PTSD and and moving forward. Now, that EMDR, I guess, has to do with rapid eye movement, (laughs) which is fascinating how that can stir up old memories from the Mm -hmm. past in order just to get them out. And I guess that's one of the biggest things in counseling is being able to actually talk about what happened mm-hmm. and then the next step is figuring out how to fix it right and then with emdr sometimes you don't even have to talk i mean it, it's it's getting to the root of the problem without you really even knowing about it because some of them aren't ready to talk or some of them have buried it so far they're not even sure what it is anymore now doors of hope does not just focus on rutherford county from what i understand you also work with those who are incarcerated in other communities all across the state Right. We don't. We go into the correctional facilities here, but we have applications coming in from over 50 counties here in uh, Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So we do. Um, if, if we have several beds, we have 34 beds at this time that we can um, have our women in. And sometimes when those aren't filled with Rutherford County clients, then um, other applicants will come in from the other counties and we'll accept those in. We have a good partnership with DeKalb County. Um, we're also TDOC approved, so we're approved transitional housing. So we're on this list um, that kind of goes out to all Tennessee inmates when they're looking for a home plan for parole. So we've gotten a lot of applications from that as well. So that's a lot more counties than we were ever reaching before. So does Doors of Hope have a, a single facility where all 34 are, you know, they live there and go to classes there or? We, we have a little pot of houses um, all located together. Um, we have our main office, and then we have several houses on that street, and so it's all in walking distance. And so we do have our, our classes there and our counseling there, and so they're, it's easy to obtain, get there. So what is the recidivism rate for those who enroll in your program and then get back out on their own? How often are they reoffending or going back to those old habits? We are less than 5% recidivism rate if they stay with us for the full length of the program. And then what would the average be for those who never take Six, a program? 67%. That's a huge difference. It is. That's, uh, well, it's scary to hear numbers like that, you yeah. know? I, I mean, it, it's sad. And a lot of those who do get out and go back to using or whatever it was they did before, they never see their children, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you have a lot of those who come to you who have not seen their children in, you know, one, two, three years at a time? Several. Several. We'll have um, women that were in prison and may have not seen their kid in 15 years or 10 years. or So one of our main goals is to um, reunite the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some women that are just like, I'm not in a place where my kids are safe and um, I'm not in a place where I can take them. And that's a bigger choice than trying to get them back is saying, hey, I just don't have the capacity. And we support whatever the client's decision is. Um, But we work really close with DCS and we're making parenting plans and figuring out how can we make them a family again. 
Again, with us this morning, Executive Director Jackie Miller of Doors of Hope and also social worker Shanika Scott, again, both with the Doors of Hope program here in Murfreesboro. How long has this program actually been here? It started in 2011. Mary Dell Williams is the founder of Doors of Hope. And since 2011, do you have an idea of how many people have been in and out of the program who have successfully completed it? We have had a count at one point. Um, The numbers keep getting higher. I mean, the first year Meridale started this program, we didn't have housing at that time. And so housing, I think, started in 2012. And, you know, it started with just a few beds, and it's built up to 34 beds now. So successful... I don't know. That's Janika. That's a that's a that's the number we need, we to, need to go back it. and look. Um, and success is always different um, to us, just because we may have someone that was with us for four months, um, and they decide, hey, I'm going to go out on my own, and they're going to live in a trailer, and that's the best they've done in years, right? Um, mm-hmm. So success looks different. We've also our programs anywhere from nine months to a year. So definitely, the people that stay the year are more successful because we have the chance to transition them out successfully and find the organizations that are going to help them with their rent and budgeting so that they just don't go out on their own. Um, But definitely the people that stay the longest are more successful, but success, we've measured it in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Do you hear stories where women who went into prison at age, let's say 18, they get out at, I don't know, 24, 25, and they tell you, well, I put my child up for adoption before I went into prison and they were adopted by a family here in Tennessee. And now I regret that decision because now I'm clean and sober and able to look back and realize I gave up my child. I mean, do you hear stories like that? Oh, we definitely hear stories like that or termination of rights while they were in prison. Um, We just encourage them, hey, would you still want to be out doing the things you were doing before and your kid be of age and want to meet you? Or would you rather get your life together and your kids see you in a better light? Like, hey, maybe my mom didn't get it right with me, but she's trying now. So we always just encourage that, hey, a relationship could come even though you've adopted your kid out. You know, in this world that we live in today, it seems like we hear so many negative, so many sad stories, but are there happy endings in many cases? There's definitely happy endings. I think that's what makes our job worth it at the end of the day. Um, There's definitely a lot of happy endings. Um, Definitely being able to celebrate someone's clean time, whether it's six months, a year, two years, three years, Um, just being able to celebrate those victories, someone getting a house for the first time, getting their license back, getting a car, Um, We just had a client move out into a two-bedroom apartment, and she's about to get custody of her two children back. And so, you know, for Christmas, someone bought her a a crib and a toddler bed, and man, she was so excited. The look on her face was amazing. I mean, just very grateful. What types of, I guess, crime have some of these women committed while using? And I guess, does, does it ever surprise you when you hear the type of crime they committed before they went to prison? Nothing surprises Nothing us surprises anymore. Us at this point. I mean, if you get someone that's in like their 50s or 60s and they're just like a sweet woman now and you can't believe it sometimes. But I mean, the crimes most of the time, we don't take violent offenders like, you know, um, but the crimes could be they're usually drug charges. They are. Um, Some but, manufacturing, but usually just possession um, and theft. Forgery. Yeah. And I guess some of those charges, like the manufacturing, that not necessarily is is them. I mean, it could have been 
I guess their partner, their boyfriend, whoever it was they were living with at the time, if they were manufacturing and selling drugs, then obviously they got tied up in it, but it might not be only them, I guess. Right. And we have a lot of clients. Our clients didn't get here because they're bad people. No. All of them have great characteristics that someone has manipulated or that they have of course went through their trauma that has changed them in a way so a lot of them have taken charges that we'll find out for a boyfriend or a friend oh my friend had this many charges and and then they don't even talk to that friend or they their friends turn on them and then they find out in court oh i stood up for this person and now i'm going to jail wow you know i it's hard to imagine taking a charge for somebody else but i'm sure sometimes that's taken out of fear um, and other times they just really don't know what actually to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our clients, you know, if, if they don't make it uh, through our program, if they leave earlier than we intended that for them to leave by the choices that they've made, it is usually for um, someone, a relationship. And so when, when you're going through addiction and um, you're no longer using, you're going to switch one addiction for the other. And so the thing that takes our clients down the most is the, the addiction of love next. So we're, we're not getting fulfilled by the drugs anymore, so now we're going to look for a love relationship. And, and that's what takes our clients out most. And then, and then the drugs will follow that because they're following a person. And that's what's important in their life instead of getting themselves healthy. And then to compound the problem even more, I'm sure a lot of them grew up without a father because, you know, the divorce rate these days is extremely high. And you have so many who are not even getting married after, you know, the firstborn. And so a lot of people are growing up without a father in their life. And that leads to a whole nother bed of issues down the road. And I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of that at Doors of Hope. Oh, absolutely. How big of an impact does that have on a client? Because I know you've seen it, you, you've heard about it. So how big of an impact does growing up without a father really equal? I, I mean, I think that goes along with what I was saying earlier, is that they're they're looking um, to fulfill their life by making a, a man love them because they have that absence in their life. So they want that that male figure in their life, either for their children or for themselves, because it makes them feel better. Um, so I, I think that's a, a huge issue with daddy issues with the with the girls. Mm-hmm. And then you also have so many who grew up without a mother in their life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that equals a whole nother issue altogether. And I, I don't know what that turns a woman into once they're older, but I'm sure you do. <laughs> I think it just depends on the person. Um, a lot of them, if they didn't have that family growing up, they've decided, I'm going to be that. So even if the relationship is bad, it had domestic violence they used with him in the past, they are, they'll come to our program and be like, okay, I'm going to fix myself, and then I'll go help him. I mean, we're always just like, he's going to pull you down before you can bring him up. Um, so we just trying to restructuring um, everything that they thought was healthy and saying, hey, after you complete this program, you're going to have boundaries and love yourself in a different way where you that relationship's not going to appeal to you anymore. I mean, we have a lot of clients that come in and like, I was with him for 10 years and I'm going to go be with him the first day. It's time for them to complete and graduate the program. They're like, who? I don't know him. Um, <laughs> just because they've done so much work on themselves and they've worked with their sponsor and they've been to counseling and they're a totally different person. Um, so just a lot of it is just getting that self-love so that they don't seek that attention in other people. So while working within the Doors of Hope program, how, I guess, has it opened your eyes to see where 
family is much more important than some people realize? Or is it something that you can say, well, I don't know that it's necessarily needed in, in this way because people could turn out, well, you don't know how people can turn out with or without family. I think family we see is what you make it. We've had a lot of clients that have come to us and their family has passed away or their family's not safe and they turn to those recovery communities and that becomes their family. Um, and those people are very successful because everyone around them is doing the next right thing. Um, when you see someone that wants to go back to their old family and everyone around them is not safe, it's only so long before you result to old behavior if everyone around you is not doing the next right thing. So I think family is really what they make it. And a lot of people will say, hey, you know, I didn't get it right before, but once I get my kids back, family is going to be mom and kids. It doesn't have to be a dad just because they've seen trying to be in those relationships don't work out. This morning we're talking about the Doors of Hope, and it is basically a recovery program aimed at, I guess, breaking that cycle of whatever the behavior was before jail once they get out of jail and and not going back to those same things such as drug use or it could be anything from drug use, theft, uh, alcoholism, all of that stuff. But when we come back, can you kind of maybe highlight a story or two of things that you have seen, witnessed, and, and maybe some of the struggles that many many of those who come into the program are going through uh, right now the time right now 837 again we're going to take a short break for the weather and the traffic and then we'll be right back skies will become mostly sunny here this afternoon with a high in the low 40s northwest winds around 10 to 15 miles per hour gusting as high as 25 i'm meteorologist jennifer Wojcicki on news radio wgns currently it's 27 This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. As pet parents, we know that pets make our lives better. Here at Animal City, we love to help make the lives of our customers' pets better too. Whether it's helping you select a premium quality food that your finicky cat will love, a cute new toy for the dog, or carrying a hard-to-find item for your small animal friend, we are happy to put our 30 years of pet experience to work for you. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. When it's getting cold outside and you don't want to really get out of your car, Demas's has now started a curbside service. So you can order online, put your make and model of your car into the website, and when the food is ready, we will bring it out to your car and therefore you can still be in your pajamas and come and get lunch and go back to your home if you want to curbside service. It's just another level of service of which we are trying to provide the residents of Murfreesboro. Visit us online at demasrestaurants.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It is important that we honor our American veterans every day. That's why Family Staffing Solutions takes great pride in saluting our local veterans here in Rutherford County. Veterans, we thank you and your story matters to us. Family Staffing Solutions, stay independent at home and in charge. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military. I was on a guided missile frigate. Here is today's Salute to Veterans. I was in combat close to 18 months. Got out on early release in 73 when the ceasefire occurred. The so-called end of the uh, hostilities it never really did until 75, but for us it did, and I was early out because of my combat service. Vietnam veteran Ralph Gervasio. What was the atmosphere like when you did come home in the 70s? It was, it was really poor. 
couldn't come home in my uniform, let's put it that way. I had to come home in civilian clothes because of the flights and because of the airports and the kind of reception that I could possibly get. You hear a lot of negative things about uh, when the Marines came back, and it's all true. In the latter part of the war, they didn't want us to have eggs thrown at us or uh, slurs or things of that sort, so I had to come home in civilian clothes. I didn't admit that I was a Vietnam veteran at all until in the 1980s. I couldn't get my old job back because I served in Vietnam. And so from that point until the 1980s, I never admitted I was a veteran at all. It would have been a negative, not a positive. You know, you don't hate the warrior, you hate the war. Vietnam veteran Ralph Givasio. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Locally and veteran-owned. Fast and available 24-7. Join the Home Health VIP program at Restoration One for disaster prevention. Restoration One, the water damage experts. Hi, I'm Dr. O, and I welcome you to meet our compassionate team at Amaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come check out our new patient special. We're located just off of I-24 on Amaville Road. Amaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come fill the Amaville Farms difference. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 841, you're tuned in to WGNS. And this morning we're talking about the Doors of Hope, a nonprofit here in Murfreesboro, geared at helping women who are incarcerated learn how to live again and we have executive director jackie miller with us along with social worker shanika scott and before the break we were talking a little bit about the idea of uh, what it's like to get out and then also what landed that person behind bars to begin with so what are some of the stories that you have come across that maybe even have changed your life hearing about them I think one of our favorite stories, um, we had a client. um, She was getting released from prison. She knew no one. She knew none of us. She had came from East Tennessee um, where her family had passed away. She had a sister, but real distant. She wasn't wasn't really in a safe place where she could talk to her. Um, She had no relationships with her kids at that time. Um, She hadn't seen them probably in about two years. and she came to us, knew no one. She showed up in her prison clothes. So the khakis and the white shirt, that's all she had. Um, she had no clothes. Um, and I just remember her coming to us and just being like, hey, I need help. I can't go back to my old life. I'm going to die. Um, so she came to Murfreesboro. She knew nobody. Um, has one of the best personalities I've ever seen in my life. Um, and just embraced everything we said. Um, she really got in a 
great relationship with her recovery community. She really made that her life um, because she knew she had no one else. So eventually um, things didn't work out. Some services, some parental rights had been terminated with her kids that she had to find out in our program, but she was in a safe place to be able to do that. She had the support, of course, of our counselor um, and also our peer recovery specialist, Callie Garbison. Um, So she had a lot of support. Um, So eventually she was working at a factory. She had a few other jobs just trying to figure out what was best for her. so she was still working really hard um, in our program. She graduated our program, moved into some transitional housing that we had, um, just because she didn't really have anybody and still wanted to have the support. Um, she currently now works at a recovery facility um, full time and she's doing really good and she's gotten a promotion and she's like in charge there. Um, and she really just took recovery and made it her life. Um, before she had like, little jobs here and there nothing that really stuck with her um but she really took everything that she learned and decided she wanted to give that back to other people does education play a role in i I guess pre-incarceration how many of those who come through your program have a college degree i mean is that something that's totally rare very rare um in fact most of the girls that come through have not even gotten their ged or high set um now so yeah that that's a priority when they come into us we want to make sure that they get finish their ged and take classes here in rutherford county to achieve that well you know college is not everything and i right. know some people would have you believe that it is i i think the fact that a lot of those who you know, end up being incarcerated, lack a college degree, and, and like you said, lack even a GED, lack a, a high school diploma, that does say a lot about the family that raised that child into an adult, because if they didn't complete high school, then where was mom or dad mm-hmm. at that time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing about our program, um, too, is when a client comes in and they haven't completed college or high school, graduating from our program is such a huge accomplishment to them. They've never wore a cap and gown. They've never been able to invite people to their graduation. So um, when they do come in, if they don't have a GED or high set, we want to make sure that, hey, let's figure out why you did. And we've had a lot of clients that's like, I got an eighth grade education. I'll never be able to pass the test. So I just say, okay, well, let's just go in there and do our best. They come out and they can take their GED and pass it. So it really just depends on the client and saying, hey, you know, you don't have to take classes forever, but while you're here, let's accomplish that so that your kids can know that, hey, look what your mom did. You know, these days there's more, I guess there's more things put into place to prevent those who are children from falling through the cracks and not being able to finish high school. But even today you still have that issue of of some not being able to finish high school not being able to graduate because of things happening at home so that's it's an ongoing problem i guess Mm -hmm. it is it is and and um it's just some kind of disconnect at, at home i mean a lot of times the parents you know are are not there or they're not aware that their kids aren't going to school or um and somehow it it slips through the cracks unfortunately and you were talking earlier about how some children grew up in homes where both the mom the dad or one or the other whoever's raising them was using as well and then that turned into the child using and then growing up using whatever drug of choice it was Mm -hmm. what are the biggest drugs that you see a problem with whenever that woman comes through your doors for the first time meth meth (laughs) i guess that's one of the cheapest on the street probably one of the more easy drugs to get these days mm-hmm. definitely. and manufacture yeah 
yeah that that's the one that we see the most meth is also such a big um issue if they're on probation because probation meth is zero tolerance so there's other drugs that you can fail for and they'll kind of give you a second chance if you fail for meth you're going to get violated um so when someone comes and they may and that may be their drug of choice probation's already looking at them like let's make sure that you don't get back on meth so if they do relapse they have way more issues than hey what's going to happen next they're probably going back to jail and drugs like meth it it causes other issues as well i mean it really it does a lot of damage to the body so they have to figure out how to overcome that too and and get back to what they feel like should be normal so you've got a lot of problems we to do deal with. yeah and one of the major ones for meth is the dental issues i mean it just obviously destroys your teeth and so most of our women then they come in dental disease is a is a huge issue and in finding dentists to partner with to take care of those things is is very difficult because most of the time they're going to need a whole new set they're going to need dentures undiagnosed mental issues i'm sure that's something else that plays a role in the decision making of those who go through the program are you able to get them on the right track into a, a counselor, a psychiatrist, psychologist in order to get on medication? Mm-hmm. We, we do. We partner um, with uh, Mental Health Co-op and the Guidance Center. So all of our clients that come in, I don't care if you don't want to go, let's get you a mental health eval and follow the recommendations. Just because for so long, if you didn't want to take meds or whatever, you just avoided it. So a part of recovery is facing what's going on and moving forward. So all of our clients do get like mental health evals from Mental Health Co-op or Guidance Center, and then we follow those recommendations. So that first couple of weeks when they're out of jail and they're in your program, there's a lot going on. Oh, I mean, they're very busy. Definitely. For the first 30 days, they're not allowed to work. So, right, the blackout the, period. So, we want them working on themselves. So, they're attending classes five days a week. Um, they're meeting with the peer recovery specialist. They're going to counseling. They're meeting with their case manager. They're doing everything. They're getting all their dentist, ba- the doctor, ba- uh, basic documents. Um, birth, doing, they no, none of them come in with birth certificates or IDs or. Uh, social security cards those have been lost because they've moved around so much so they're starting over from the very start of life Mm -hmm. definitely and they probably don't know how to no there's so many and there's things that you need to get next thing so you have to have a hard copy of your id to get a social security card no one knows that (laughs) um so there's there's all these things that they've never had to do like they just thought oh i'll just show up and they'll give it to me and it doesn't work like that so them having the patience and learning that all over again they're like i've never done this sober so a lot of it is just teaching them there's a lot of things you can do once you're sober when doors of hope takes on a new client do you go to the actual prison or jail and sit down with that potential client and kind of interview or talk to them about what's going to take place next so we have an intake coordinator we do alicia burke and she goes inside the um rutherford county facilities otherwise we we do most of our interviews over the phone if they're outside of this county and unfortunately with covid it's kind of put a stop on on going in person and into the facilities to interview right now are jails and prisons hard to work with in order to get one of those inmates into your program? Rutherford County is not. I tell you, both of the um, work center and um, what we refer to as 940 are wonderful to work with. Um, so, but the the other um, area prisons or, or correctional facilities, a little more difficult because, you know, you've got a huge prison and have to track down, you know, one inmate to get to the phone to do an interview. It can be a little tricky. You know, it, it's, it's sad to hear that because you're a program working to help people to better people to change their lives but yet 
you've got all this red tape within the government in order to get to that client just mm-hmm. to help them. Mm-hmm. Is there something that could change in, in the way that works that would help other than them being more cooperative? You know, I think most um, jails now are going to having social workers inside of the facilities, and I think that's really key to have someone um it's a case manager for them inside to kind of work a plan for when they are released. So I, I think that's important. Um, I'd, I'd love to see us have a case manager, you know, um, early on, like in, involved in the police departments. I know Smyrna does that, and I would love to see that um, here in Murfreesboro with the Murfreesboro Police Department to have a social worker that, you know, when when these women or men are arrested, that there's a social worker that can work with them on what's the next best step. Mm-hmm. How can those who are listening get involved with Doors of Hope? Are there volunteer positions available? Yes, there are. Our volunteer coordinator is uh, Wendy Randolph, and they can contact her at the office. Um, but we have lots of volunteer opportunities. One of the greatest ones, I think, is our mentoring program and or life coach. And so we have women mentoring these women. So when they're out of incarceration we partner them with a volunteer a mentor that kind of just helps them walk through life and is a positive uh, person in their life I mean they you know they, they want to look up to a woman who you know sort of has it together <laughs> like some of us do um, but it kind of take them under their wing and and take them other places or take them out to coffee and just talk about life and and um, what's going on and, and mentor them to make good decisions or to take them to church or um, so we a lot of opportunities we do like community meals on monday nights so we have some church groups work that bring food for our clients for a community evening um, we always need volunteer teachers if anybody's specialty is in a certain area we're looking for um, an art teacher right now to do art therapy or, or music therapy or if somebody wants to come teach yoga any of those things are fabulous but if you have a special skill, give us a call and we will put you to work. <laughs> We're also available online at opendoorsofhope.org. I mean, there's a volunteer application on there that can be filled out. And any interest you have or skill that you think mm, might be well, we can match you and figure out <laughs> what you can do. Um, so our website is really great. We're also on Facebook at Doors of Hope. Um, so there's a lot of things you can kind of, you know. They need check. positive women in their life. Definitely. You know, I I think the good thing is that none of us are exactly perfect. And I'm sure that's probably relieving to the clients who come through your program to know and understand, you know, even they are not this perfect person, even though I may look up to them as a leader, they're not perfect either. So that's got to be somewhat relieving. Definitely. Especially if you've been in active addiction, you associate everyone that doesn't have that addiction as normal. Right. So figuring out that, okay, no one's normal and figuring out what your new normal is and that all these people aren't perfect, but they're trying to come together to help you is definitely eye opening to the clients. And it's important that we admit that we make mistakes, too, that you definitely. Know, sometimes we don't get it right. And, and hey, you are right. Let me let me help you with this. Mm-hmm. We only have a couple of minutes left in the program. But after somebody is released from prison or jail, is there a certain amount of time that they cannot be a part of the Doors of Hope program? I mean, if they're out for a year and they realize this isn't working, can they still enroll in Doors of Hope? Oh, absolutely. We take people from rehab, homeless, um, really any situation. If you're just not in a safe home place and you want to come into our program, if we have space, we take people. And we do Uh, have a homeless shelter, too, for women that necessarily weren't incarcerated. We do have 16 beds available. 
So what's the first step in, in figuring out what to do? Call us, we'll fill out an application, we'll get you in there, we'll talk about it. And if, if we aren't the place for you, we're gonna give you resources to where you need to go. So we don't turn anyone away. Um, everyone gets a resource. Right. Well, what's the phone number that people can call? 615-900-0634. Okay, and this again, based in Murfreesboro, but you do work with those in other communities nearby. Mm-hmm. You help to figure out, I guess, a plan of action on how to change the life of that person who wants to change. And I guess that's the key. They have to want to change though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you sometimes have family call and say, you know, I've really got to get my daughter in there or? All the time. And unfortunately, that the I know they love them and they want them to do the, do the work for them, but it has to be the person that's hit their bottom and wants to come in and do the work nobody their mamas aren't if you make someone do it they're they're not going to do it you right. have to want it for yourself and there's been a lot of enabling usually in the family yes so when your grandma calls and says oh she needs a bed she needs a bed yes grandma she does need a bed but let's get her to call so that she knows what she's signing up for and that she goes through the application goes through the process and knows people are we don't really just take people whose grandma drops them off. Um, that's more of a, hey, why don't you go to rehab first and figure out what your next steps. Yeah. But I guess in some cases, that mom, that grandmother, whoever it is, they are able to you know, gain some knowledge about Doors of Hope in order to pass that on to that child. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, yes. And we and always we... talk on the phone with whoever and we talk about boundaries. So, hey, I'm glad that you called, but if this person does get in the program, what boundaries are you going to hold to make them successful? That, that's got to be a tough one right there. That's so hard. Yeah. Because there are a lot of very dysfunctional families out there and, and they don't have boundaries. And without mm-hmm. boundaries, it's going to be hard to really grow and mature and, and to make a change, I guess. Definitely. Yes. So, Doors of Hope available online. Uh, that's where you can go to read more about it. And again, the website is what? Opendoorsofhope.org. Sounds good. Anything else you can think of in closing here? No, we have a uh, golf tournament coming up on April 30th. It's our Fairway to Hope, our third annual one. And it will be at Champions Run course. So if anybody would like to sign up to play golf or volunteer, we'd love to have you. Bring you, your team, sign on up. <laughs> great time. Sounds good. Again, we've been talking about Doors of Hope this morning with Executive Director Jackie Miller and Social Worker Shanika Scott. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank Thank you. you. Skies will become mostly sunny here this afternoon with a high in the low 40s. Northwest winds are on 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 27. Good morning. Still not too terribly bad as we check it out live here on 24 up by 840. A lot of that traffic getting on to 840. Most of it's headed towards uh, Williamson County. Traffic still not too bad as far as really bad interstate accidents. Now they're working that wreck on that 24 eastbound off-ramp at Bradley Parkway in South Nashville. Check out the Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Prince's Hot Chicken. Order online, princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. <laughs> 